What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast. We're your host, Curtin Dillon, and it's race week. Finally. Finally. It has been so long. I, I feel wait, like man. it went by faster once all the Lewis Hamilton stuff blew up with Ferrari, but it has been a long offseason. There was a point in time in December where things were just like grinding to a halt. It was so slow. And you're right. Once the whole Gunther Lewis, Christian Order, all these things just started dropping like dominoes, it started to pick up quick. And it is right here, man. So Dude, we're back what, at it. Four days away. About to have. Race number one, where Red Bull's going to continue to assert their dominance. In a car that looks like a Mercedes. <laughs> well, let's get into that, because that's actually kind of interesting. Right. I don't think We so. will get into that. So today, we're going to talk about testing. We just completed three days, complete full days of testing last week, where we got to see a peek behind the curtain on a lot of these teams. And I think we've got to learn a little bit about the layout of the season going into it. Uh, let's see. We've also got... A little bit of update on Gunther Steiner and how he's making a triumphant return to Formula One again. And also, more excitingly for me, Drive to Survive also just dropped on Friday. And we're going to talk about it. Dylan has not watched it, like always. So we're going to talk about what we've seen so far, what I've seen at least, in Drive to Survive. I'm curious for your cliff notes. There we go. Hey, man. But the testing, though, there has been some developments this year. There has. And I tell you what, if I had a dollar for every time a drain cover took out a Ferrari, I'd only I'd have two dollars. But that's kind of a surprising <laughs> amount of dollars for that to be happening. Ferrari, <laughs> Ferrari has a couple million less dollars because of it. <laughs> Dude, testing was great. I, I think it was as per usual testing, like we're all reading way too much into it. But due to a lot of the red flags, and I think Formula One's just general curiosity and trying to poke into the garages i think we saw a lot under the cover that we usually don't see in testing due to all the red flags and cars coming into this garage and getting taken apart and those camera crews are just sneaking around getting shots of cars um, yeah they, so that, the mechanic uh body wall of mechanics isn't doing that well anymore no it's not it's like they're not even trying they're like whatever <laughs> um but i'm excited i i i wrote up all 10 teams, what I think about them from testing and in the order, my prediction order for the constructors post-testing. I'm excited to hear it because, Dylan, you're the, the techie guy. I'm the one that likes the cars that are pretty. Yeah. And <laughs> you're the one that's like, oh, this one's got, uh, you know, these gear ratios and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I love that stuff. It's the best part uh, about Formula One. But also, you talk about people looking way too much into stuff. Did you see how social media exploded when Carlos Sainz Sr. was pictured talking with the Red Christian Bull top Warner. three? <laughs> yes. Everybody, and then everybody and was, was like... <laughs> the picture was like them outside drinking a cup of coffee, smoking and joking together. It wasn't like they were sitting in a cafe corner signing contracts. <laughs> like It looked like it was like, oh, hey, what's up? And they're, they're having a quick conversation. Like Everybody's like, he's going to, Carlos Sainz is going to Red Bull. It's like, wait a second. His dad is a Red Bull athlete. Like, yeah. pump, pump the brakes a little bit. And then yeah. also, what was the other one? It was uh, Checo Perez was seen walking next to and maybe talking with Christian or uh, Toto Wolf. And like, oh, yes. Checo's going to Mercedes. Calm down, people. No, he's they not. work in close proximity. Everybody talks to everybody. It's okay. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, everyone does read too into it. But one thing you can't read too into, too into, that's a lot of twos. That's too many um, twos. Too many twos. Is Haas looks like a hot bag of garbage. Oh my God. Locking man. them in as P10 on the constructors. Their car barely looked like an evolution of last year's. Um, I think they blew all their wind tunnel time and all of their development money on the Austin spec. And that was a miserable failure. And now they're scrambling. And they, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because today, just before we went live, I actually had a random thought about Haas and I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to start off by prefacing it by saying that this is complete speculation. This is just my idea it is not based in any sort of fact or whatever. Don't sue me. But I've come to the conclusion because I don't understand why Gene Haas keeps dumping money into this team and just seems to be content in 10th place all the time as a constructor. I think that Gene Haas is using the Formula One team to launder money. That's the, <laughs> that's the that's only a bold call. <laughs> that's the only conclusion I could come up with at this point. Like, why else would you be so content with something that's just flailing at the back of the pack? He's been offered millions and millions and millions of dollars to sell the team. He won't. But take maybe it. that's what it is. You know, maybe he's millions of dollars into this, and he's getting offers that keep going up that are more than what he's put into it. And he's like, well, let's see where this goes. It's like an you eBay know, auction. I like my idea better. <laughs> it's more entertaining. <laughs> he's a he's some sort of mafia boss or drug kingpin <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> he's just laundering money of CNC machines. <laughs> Can't wait for that episode of Drive to Survive to come out. Yeah, that is. Anyways, cool. back to the what's based in so Haas is P ten locked <laughs> in. No argument there. P nine, I think, is a little bit up for debate. I've got the kick Sauber stake F one team. Um, they brought a lot of upgrades. This is not the same cars last year. Um, I thought it looked a lot better, a lot more stable. Um, I just don't think it's going to do that well compared to everybody else. Like, I think it's a step forward from last year, but everyone else took a step forward as well. And so therefore, like it is going to do better, but probably end up in the same position as last year. Yeah. I've actually got them as my bottom three. I've got them ranked as number eight. Yeah. Um, but it's just, for me, I thought it was cool. I just don't like the color on the car. I thought it was cool at first, but seeing it on track, I don't like it. I didn't mind it, actually. Kind of hard uh, to miss. You're like, oh, yep, there's the uh, Sauber That's team. for sure. Yeah, you definitely can't miss that, that one. Um, coming in at P8, I've got Williams. Ooh. Couple of couple of reasons. One, uh, so you know, not leading this in any way, but do you know who spun off track first this weekend or this uh, past testing? I, I can imagine. Yeah. It was Logie bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, a couple of just interesting, off the whole time he did. It just wasn't, I think they're probably already going, damn it. We should have got rid of them. Um, you know, they looked like an evolution of last year's car fast in the straights, not so fast in the curves, uh, sensitive to the winds. Um, the thing that I thought was really interesting is Mercedes came out with a whole new rear suspension and transmission layout that switched from push rod to pull rod. Um, that was supposed to make the, it way more stable. That was kind of all of the Mercedes powered cars last year had really, really twitchy rear ends. Mercedes put a ton of effort into fixing that and, uh, switched the whole layout of the rear end. Williams didn't take the switch, didn't take the upgrade package. They have last year's. Mercedes suspension, which I'm kind of surprised about. 
But because of that, very still unstable twitchy rear end going around a lot of those corners. So I think we're going to just kind of have an evolution of last year. Yeah, I think that's the the thing too with Logan is I think they had mentioned it. I think it was Alex Albon mentioned it last year that their car, they have to drive it right on the absolute limit in order to make it fast. And Logan's talent just isn't there right now to be able to control a car like that. You put somebody like Max Verstappen in that car, it's going to be a midfield car. You know, it's going to be yep. fine. But Logan just doesn't have the talent and the ability right now, which sucks. But I, yeah, for sure, I think that they're probably kicking themselves a little bit after seeing how he performed in testing. Yeah. So that's Williams. Um, yeah. Next up, I've got Alpine P7. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to do worse than they did last year. They they have an evolution. The car looks a lot more RB19 ish. The whole side pod change. The, I just I think the engine's still underpowered. It, it, the the whole team layout's just bad. You know, Ocon and Gasly. I don't have high hopes for. I think that you know last year they were P6 by like a lot um, because they had Alpha Tauri and Williams and Sauber and Haas all behind them. And they're kind of their own gap to the midfield. I think that that gap's going to get closed down and overtaken. I just don't see them doing that well. Yeah, neither do I. I've actually got so my bottom three. I've got Haas in ten. I've got Alpine in nine, and Stake in eight. Wow! And for the you same think thing, gonna fall I just that far. Yeah, I I don't have high hopes on that team. I don't. I I think the whole vibe and energy on that team is just kind of flat right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that you've got two drivers that are going to individually try to strive to make themselves more marketable for another team. And so they're not going to be working together very much. They're going to do the bare minimum as don't. far as the team. Yeah, exactly. And so I just don't see much cohesion in that team. And I think that that car didn't make kind of like when Haas brought their big upgrades last year, this new Alpine, I don't think it, it came with as much of a leap forward as they were expecting. Yeah, I I totally agree. And it's interesting because it doesn't look like the whole car upgrade looks like a Frankenstein car, in my opinion. Like you have, and maybe that's what every car looks like, but it's like you have a lot of RB19 parts, but they look like they're kind of slapped on, you know, duct tape to the old Alpha uh, or Alpine team. Like it doesn't look like it's a well thought out, harmonious car that you put to, like you look at the new Mercedes and you're like, damn, that's all Mercedes. That looks really good. You look yeah. at the Alpine, you're like, it looks like you took RB19 side pods and slapped it on last year's <laughs> yeah. car. It doesn't like look like they just awesome. grabbed a bunch of parts from out <laughs> yeah. from behind every garage and <laughs> just slapped it together. So moving on, I think Racing Bulls will be P6. Yeah, car looked good. I think, yeah, I, I think it did. That car did look good. Car looked good. It was a big evolution from last year. They, the Alpha Tauri last year had great evolutionary steps. You know, it was constantly improving throughout the year. It's kind of, I think, the poster child of if you're a backmarker, you want to be like theirs. Where I mean, it's just, it's a backmarker car, but it is starting and making positive steps constantly. And I think this testing showed another big step forward. You got Danny Rick and Yuki Tsunoda, who are not, you know, rookies by any stretch. Both have their own strengths. The car is working way closer with, Red Bull itself and has a lot more of their parts on there. Um, I think it's going to take a huge step forward and I think they're going to score points pretty quick out of the gate. Yeah, I'm really excited to see them. I think last year really sucked for them because 
they had Yuki there, but that second seat had so much instability with Nick DeVries and then Danny and then Liam Lawson and then back At to the Danny. halfway point. They had more drivers than they did points. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like they couldn't get any sort of consistency in that seat. And every time somebody started to get up to speed, they got pulled out for you know one reason or another. And so I'm really excited to see this year. Danny's healthy. He's going to get a complete full season in that car. You've got Yuki, who is just getting better and better. Yep. And if you look at Yuki's evolution from the past three you know, years or so, he is night and day different. Like Yuki's We didn't think a- he was going to survive after the first season. Yeah. And Yuki is like pulling it out to the point where he's actually, you know, making his stock pretty valuable for another team if he wants to go somewhere. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think for me, that is one of the most exciting teams to watch this year is the yeah, racing I bulls. I totally agree. Moving on. All right. We're getting to the top five and we could argue the next four, I think pretty or next three, really the next three, I think are really close and we could, you could argue them in, in any order. My order for P five is Aston Martin. Um, Aston looked good. Evolution of last year. No big changes to the car. Side pods are a little more RB 19 y. Um, but you know, just kind of another evolutionary step in that car forward. Um, it looked good, was still a little twitchy, a little sensitive, but looked much faster than last year. I think that what's going to kill them is Lance Stroll being in that second seat. I think if you had, you know, two Fernando Alonso's in that car, they wouldn't be P5. They'd be higher up, but I think Lance Stroll is going to kind of hamstring that team and drop them down into the P5 spot. A tale as old as time. A tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Lance needs to. Uh, he, I'm, I'm, we've been saying it, but he's not going anywhere as of yet. But hopefully, after this season, he'll be moving on. It'll be interesting if Fernando's doing like last year and getting podiums, and he's still in the back. There's a lot of shareholders that Daddy Stroll's got to answer to. Yes, sir. Moving on to P4, I went back and forth a lot on this. I watched a lot of. You know, Julian Palmer and and Will Buxton's, you know, predictions. And I think I'm different on this one. I've got P4 as McLaren, not Mercedes. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, we, Mc- we're different on this one because I the- have Mercedes as P4. Yes. The McLaren looked really good. It looked strong. It looked stable. It, you know, light years ahead of Bahrain last year. Um, still kind of doing their own thing with their aerodynamic package. They're probably on an Island. Everybody's moving up more RB 19 and McLaren is kind of still doing their own thing a little bit, which, Hey, good for them. Go for it. But, um, I think they have a tire deg problem. Um, Norris didn't even do a racing sim this, uh, go around. Um, and Oscar did quite a few and still had really bad tire dig i think that while oscar is probably a future world champion uh he's got a lot to learn in that car still and i think that that's going to it kind of same story as aston if you had two lando norrises i would have them in p3 but i think oscar's got some learning to do um and i don't know that the car is is as consistent as the other ones will be for that reason i've got them in p4 oh man well uh i'm gonna disagree (laughs) <laughs> i've got mercedes like i said down there um yeah i've got mclaren ranked a little bit higher that's fair that's fair all right it's so okay what do you got wrong on, <laughs> which normally i am with my predictions so anyways what do you got on p3 p3 you've got the mercedes man you got a whole new car 
big evolutionary step forward. Um, a lot of, you know, surprising with Lewis leaving because they weren't listening. A lot of Lewis's influences in there. They moved the driver's seat back, which was one of Lewis's, you know, biggest issues. They've really seemed to fix that rear end. It's not nearly as twitchy. Um, they're doing some f- fancy, funky stuff with their front wing. <laughs> Uh, really kind of tone the line on what the regs say, which is what Mercedes does. And that's exactly. what's so awesome about them. Um, I also think while a lot of drivers, when they're, they know they're on their way out the door, still do their best, but don't have, you know, the motivation to, to go crazy. I think Lewis, with this being his last year at Mercedes, will give it everything he has and then some. Yeah. And I just see them being more consistent. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see how this car does. I honestly yeah. feel like it's almost going back to the Mercedes of old. Yeah. Because like you said, they are starting to come up with innovations, which I, I you could say that the whole zero, zero pod, pod thing was an innovation, but they couldn't figure it out. Apparently they were onto something, but they couldn't figure it out. Um, but yeah, like you said, with the front wing, once I saw that and how they have just that small strip of carbon so that it technically connects to the inside of the nose cone. It's like that's so the kind of stuff for everybody that doesn't read the regs on the weekends like a nerd. Um, <laughs> the front wing elements can't have more than four of them, and they have to connect to the rear outside kick plate and the inside nose. And so Mercedes on that top element ran a single strand of carbon fiber to connect it on the inside. So it's technically connected, but there's basically right. not half of an element on the top right and by by doing that they still gain the downforce but they also on the inside of the nose cone get that extra airflow where they want it to go so i mean yeah it's that's what i love about formula one is innovations people reading the rule book and being like all right well it doesn't say i can't do this you know like that's what makes formula one so exciting and so i'm excited to see them and like you said these top team what p4 through p2 i could see them going anyway p5 ferrari mclaren yeah ferrari mclaren mercedes and um aston and i I don't know i think aston's probably going to be in p5 i think that's a good spot for them but for me the most exciting race this season is going to be constructors p through p2 to p4 yeah i i agree uh and i i think that merc is sexy that car looks so good i love beautiful um p2 i've got ferrari and now while I agree with you that Ferrari through McLaren's going to be a great battle. That Ferrari looked so good. It looked so planted. It looked fast as hell. I think it'll be P2 pretty solidly. Um, it just, it, it looks better all the way around. It looks more stable. Um, it's, they've gone away from that bathtub style and more to the RP19 Canon style. And they played a lot with the cooling louvers. You saw constantly different cooling packages on it, which more than any other car, um, it just looked good. Minus, you know, taking, getting taken out by drain pans, drain covers. <laughs> just got to um, stay away from them damn drain covers. Yeah, watch them drains. Um, it just looked great all the way around. I think that Ferrari is going to be P2. Yeah. And I think, honestly, Ferrari probably, Ferrari for me has the most exciting driver pairing this season, I think. Yeah. You've got Charles Leclerc, who is probably one of the fastest when it comes to single lap pace. And then you've got Carlos Sainz, who last year showed that he has what it takes to be a top tier driver. Um, He's he's a thinking driver. He comes up with strategy calls on his own. And so those two together, it's going to be exciting. And then again, you got Carlos, who is trying to show everybody else like, look, I am a great driver. So while he might not always be playing the team game, 
he's going to be very exciting to watch on his own. Uh, but I kind of I go back and forth. I was between McLaren and Ferrari and P2 and P3 for the yeah. constructors. And I have to go with my loyalty to McLaren. And say <laughs> they're going to be P2. I'm going to will them awesome. there. <laughs> I would be um, ecstatic if McLaren was P2. I just don't see Yeah. That. But I can honestly see Ferrari is a very strong contender. So yeah, and that I, car I looks good. I have the past couple of years not been the biggest Ferrari like aesthetics. This one, damn. Yeah, yeah, it's a good looking car. It's a good looking car. And last, right. lastly, and mostly, Red Bull. Um, of couple of really interesting things with the RB twenty. So nerding out for a second. Um, everyone's saying they're going to go to the zero pod at some point. I disagree. I don't think that they are. Um, we actually got a really good shot of the engine cover off and a lot of the cooling systems on that car. And the side pods have a ton of cooling in them still. Like for them to get rid of the side pods to a zero pod aesthetic is going to require them to rework basically the entire cooling package of the car. And I don't see them doing that. Um, I think that they have figured out how to seal that floor perfectly with the side pods. And they're just kind of doing evolutions of that. If you also notice, they reduced their drag a ton because they don't have that huge opening for the side pod inlet. They did a uh, overbite small inlet at the top of the side pod that you can barely see. It has a vertical uh, inlet like the Mercedes Zero Pod. And then what got really fancy is they have two big old airlets right over the uh, driver's shoulders, right inside the halo. Yeah. There's two inlets right there that go to those big shoulders. And so while we don't know what all those are cooling, they've got, I, I think it's going to be absolute dominance. Oh, yeah. And I love the fact that they did this. I was reading a story uh, where they interviewed um, uh, Adrian Newey and also, uh, what's his name? I just had it here. Adrian. Uh, so they interviewed Adrian Newey and the technical director. His name is Pierre Wash uh, for Red Bull. And they were talking about how they realized that with the RB19, they kind of plateaued, right? So mm -hmm. they, they didn't think they could get that much more performance out of it. So they were worried that other teams now were going to be able to close that gap, even though they still probably would have been faster. They didn't want to take that chance. So now they took this radical redesign and took basically what Mercedes had started and could not figure out and then figured it out. And I like how they asked, uh, the interviewer had asked Pierre Wash if he had, thought this was a gamble and he came back and he said that at red bull we don't gamble we take risk and there's a difference and i i love that because it's like they know that this is like I, they're not taking a, a shot in the dark like a lot of other yeah. teams are um but one thing i thought was interesting is james allison who's the technical director for mercedes he uh they he had an interview and he was like man i would love to be able to get an invite to the red bull garage just to see what they're doing on those snorkels that are coming yes. up around the halo He's like, we haven't been able to figure out what they're cooling or how they're cooling, but that's like the key that Mercedes could not get. Yeah. So he just wants to get a peek under the hood and see like, what are you guys doing here? I'm sure Perez will put it in the wall at some point and give a nice <laughs> under the cover peek. Sorry. Speaking of Perez. <laughs> speaking of Perez, Perez for me is the biggest wild card of this season because really? I think so, man. Uh, you, he was so inconsistent last year. And so this year, if he does the same thing, yeah, Max is fast, but you've got, like we just talked about, Ferrari with Carlos Sainz and Charlotte Claire. You've got Mercedes. All these teams that have closed the gap so much, 
that I don't think Max can do it on his own this year. And so I think Perez is going to be yeah. under a lot of pressure. I totally agree. I mean, we kind of proved the numbers out last year that if like McLaren did as well as they did at the end of the year throughout the entire season, you know, it, the, the Red Bull still would have won the championship, but it would have gone to the last race. It wouldn't have won it prematurely. Like he's going to have to pick his shit up at the same time. I won. I bet the deal's already done. I think that Perez knows this is his last season at Red Bull, if not in Formula One. And I think that that will relieve a lot of the pressure from him. He knows he's not going to be world champion. He knows he's not going to beat Max. He knows this is his last season and he's just got to perform. And I, I think that'll take a lot of the pressure away, which will be interesting to see. Because to me, Carlos is the biggest uh, wild card. I think he's going to be doing his own thing. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely going to be spicy Carlos all season. But for me, that's that's what's exciting. I, that's the Carlos I think we all love. Yes, absolutely. Man, so I'm excited, so, man. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've, we're pretty aligned on most of those. we got a few differences at the bottom and then, you know, our McLaren and Mercedes discrepancies at the top. But yeah, and now I'm excited to see how these actually play out or, you know, maybe Alpine rocks up and puts it in P5 or something like that. Who knows? I, I don't not. see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. Um, yeah. I don't know. I want to just see some more drivers on the top step. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see some some shaking up podiums and definitely I'd like to see uh Lewis get a win this year. I yeah. think seeing Fernando getting a win this year would be super exciting. And well. Norris. Oh, Norris. How can I forget? It's already a four he's already gonna win. Yeah. Norris is getting his foregone conclusion. Yeah. Maybe. So huh. Yeah, that's uh that's that's my top ten post testing, and I am just ecstatic for Bahrain this weekend. Yes, sir. And can't forget, I mean, we'll have our prediction pod, but Bahrain is a day early because of is it Ramadan? I think it's Ramadan. Yeah, Ramadan. So Thursday is practice, Friday is quali, and Saturday is testing. But yesterday, you know, I got to talk about Gunther Steiner because it has been announced that he's making a return to Formula One. And kind of probably the way that we've all been hoping that he would come back. And so he's riding been in on a chariot through a German company where he's. <laughs> no, I want to see him riding in in a very small car with Mattia Bonato and a bunch of bottles of wine. Everywhere. <laughs> You're right. That would be better. <laughs> but so it, came... <laughs> yeah. so it came out that he is going to be attending seven races with a German broadcaster called RTL where he is going to be doing commentary. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be in German, so it's yeah. going to sound really aggressive, but I think it'll be entertaining. Um, but also, he's going to do the Australian GP with an Australian publication, so that'll be in English, so that'll be cool to hear. And uh, so last year, if you remember, he actually called a NASCAR race at one point, and no, uh, he said that he that. got a new... He did, So, but in one of the off weekends, he called a NASCAR race, and so he said that he kind of enjoyed it he really enjoyed it and so it was as soon as he got the call for this he jumped on the opportunity so i think we might see gunther a little bit more coming back i would love to have gunther steiner's commentary he's got to be like a dc or you know like the the analogies and metaphors and things that he picks to say i think are going to be yeah. hilarious he would be a nightmare on american tv with all the censorship and everything he ha it has to be a paid for or like a subscription-based publication where he yes. can just have free reign to say what he wants or else the yes. whole thing would just be bleeped out the whole time 
No, I said hug the whole paddock. I'd hug the whole paddock. <laughs> that is the funniest quote. He's like, he's like, oh, sorry to all the everybody watching at home. He's like, what is he apologizing apologizing for? <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, Kurt. Well, tell me about Drive to Survive. Oh man, I cannot believe that you are so against Drive to Survive. I'm not that against it. I just don't watch that much TV, and it's not that high on my priority list to to be watched over the other things that I like. I just don't care for the drama. There's not enough technical stuff. If you haven't told sure. from this pot from this <laughs> podcast, I like the technical stuff. I could care less about the drama. Just give me Sam Collins any just day. Just give of the me week. Sam <laughs> Collins who he's more pot bellied than I remember this season. He's, he's uh <laughs> He's been chilling in the commentary room eating snacks a little bit, uh, I think. That's funny. So <laughs> I do love me some Sam Collins. Sam Collins is awesome. Um, but so on Drive to Survive, what I do like about this year is it seems like since Max Verstappen kind of took off with the championship, they're you know, it's not as exciting to cover the racing as much. You're like, oh, Max wins, Max wins, Max wins. Um, and full disclosure, I'm about halfway through the series. I haven't seen the whole thing. Um, but it forced them to kind of focus more on the subplots and the storylines that are happening kind of under the surface. Uh, and I, I read an interview with one of the, it's like the guy who created the show. And he was saying that this year there was, because of that, uh, because of Max running off with it, they had to focus on these subplots. And there's so much going on that they actually were considering doing more than just the 10 episodes that they normally do. Um, but a couple of things I've noticed in the first couple of episodes was for one, the Nick DeVries episode was awesome. I I definitely, if you're not going to watch any of them, I recommend you watch that one because you get to see behind the curtain and how that whole thing went down. And it wasn't as I thought. I thought that, you know, once Danny got there and he did the testing and afterwards, they're like, you know what? Let's put Danny in. That's not how it worked at all. Going into Silverstone, they were already having conversations about pulling Nick. And Christian Horner was like, uh, we're going to get Danny doing this test. If all goes well, we're going to put him in. We're going to swap him out. And so once that went in, Danny did his first run, and then they made the call. Christian walked into the garage, talked to Danny. So halfway through testing, Danny already knew he was going into that uh, Alpha Tower. Oh, that's awesome. And so, and it's so funny because after he tells him to see the look on Danny's face, like he takes a second to process it, and then it's just like that old Danny Ricardo is just back. And you see one of the mechanics walk up and he overheard the conversation is just like smiling at him and like, yeah, you got this. And so that episode to me was awesome to see on Danny's side. It's also kind of sad to see on Nick's side. I imagine that mechanic that overheard the conversation disappeared shortly thereafter for uh, secrecy purposes and has never yeah, been heard from again. He's never been heard from. Nope. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> no, he got disappeared. Um, he, he, Danny made eye contact with him. Christian Horner turned around and was like, helmet. <laughs> I, like, I won't say anything <laughs> but to see it from nick devries side it's kind of sad because they yeah. like build it up where he's talking about his like his fulfilling his dream but then it, you could see that it's going that way they're having conversations with him and there's this one scene in monaco where he's on the boat with adrian newey and the way he's talking to adrian newey is almost like he's pleading his case in a yeah. kind of roundabout way an indirect way and Adrian knew he's just like staring off and just nodding his head as Nick is just yapping to him, <laughs> yapping next to him. And you could tell that Adrian's already like, you're out of here, kid. Like he already knows it. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I didn't like so far is there's a McLaren episode and there's a couple scenes where Zach Brown is talking to 
his boss, the McLaren, like the big boss. And they seem very scripted. Yeah. And it's like they had to go back and refilm these scenes. And that's the one gripe that I have so far. Like, I understand reality TV does that. I feel like they could have done it better because I'm almost positive that these two these two scenes are scripted. And I don't like that. That's the thing I don't like about Drive to Survive. Like last year, everyone, you know, the fix your fucking car moment, like in the in the team principal meeting, I felt like that was so chopped up and taken out of context. Like a lot of the responses to different things made no sense. I was like, I feel yeah. like I'll just chop this up for drama. And that's what makes it so hard for me to watch. I don't even believe it's all true. Like, not only is it just overly dramatized, I think a lot of it's fake and I just, I'm not interested now. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that. And you kind of have to kind of remember, like, is that the way this happened or is this yeah. the way I remember it happening? And there's some parts where you could see that they definitely take some liberties, but overall I find it entertaining as all hell. And it's, <laughs> I like to see a little bit more behind the scenes. So I like that. I'm a behind the scenes drama kind of guy you're a technical that's, kind of that's guy, why so. we work out like this <laughs> yeah right <laughs> works out nicely <laughs> it's like oh that car is pretty i want that one to win <laughs> i think they could do better with the racing bulls car i want like full toro rosso it's close i'm just it's, glad that it's got paint on it yeah there is that um well man preseason testing is done race this weekend drive to survive is out the season is beginning it is. It is. It's been. It's been bubbling, and now it's finally here, and I'm so excited. So we'll be back in just two days for uh, the preseason prediction. Or I'm sorry. Whoa, for our prediction. It's. Yeah. I'm not, it's so quick. I'm season. not even sure what we're doing. Race prediction. Woo! So our race prediction. I got to remember our format. So we'll be back <laughs> on that uh, in a couple of days' time. If you like this podcast, make sure and leave us a rating and a review. Dylan, do you have anything else? That's all I got for today. All right, well, let's hurry up and get these next couple days knocked out so we can see some racing action. And on that note, stay classy, America. We'll see you next time.